and welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast where we explore simple living and high thinking. Each week, we join Vivek Gupta as he offers insights on bringing the divine into the daily. Vivekji has experienced much of what the world has to offer, whether it is attending an elite business school or traveling to almost 50 countries. However, tired with the inconsistent and incomplete peace associated with these pursuits, he decided to turn his journey within. Over the last decade, Vivekji has shared his observations on the signs of independent joy with communities across North America and beyond. In this week's episode, a continuation of our Meditation in Life series, we explore the difference between renouncing from knowledge and renouncing for knowledge. In addition, we dig into why we are unable to realize the potential or nature of our divided mind. So let's do it. Let's tune in. Hariyom and greetings from Niagara Falls. There are many reasons why one would follow sannyasa. And I shall give you the two most popular or common reasons. One is known as vidvat sannyasa. And before I describe this, how many of you have heard this before? You know what I'm going to speak about. Vidvat sannyasa is when you renounce from knowledge. In other words, jnana has become part of you. You know who you are. And so out of this fulfillment, you renounce any identification with any article, being, or circumstance in a ritualistic way, one who's enlightened goes through the ritual of becoming a sannyasi. Do they need to go through that ritual? They don't. It's no different than when someone's enlightened, whether they have a body or not is not relevant. Jivan mukti, videha mukti are the same. Now the second reason for following sannyasa is known as vividisha sannyasa. Vividisha sannyasa is where you renounce for knowledge. Earlier I mentioned renouncing from knowledge. This is renouncing for knowledge. This is where you renounce any identification, any article, any being, any circumstance for jnana, for knowing who you are. Our course is this vividisha sannyasa, where we are thinking this may be our last day 
week, month, year, decade, lifetime to be independently joyous. We need to think, we need to train ourselves in letting go of all that is not leading me to knowing who I am, to being enlightened. Our course is sharing details on what the highest is. What is existence? What is God? What does dependency feel like? These details have to be internalized, which is why we're practicing contemplation. Contemplation is the sadhana that helps us to internalize the most to the closest. So jnana, details about what we're not, what we are, and to contemplate on these details. The chapter that we began, it's the last chapter of the first part of meditation and life is entitled, Why Meditate? And before I review this, in our Bhagavatam class, a Devi from Fairfield had asked a question about challenges and triumphs, triumphs that I face in studying and sharing Advaita Vedanta. And one of the challenges I told her, and I feel that this challenge is growing with every course, with every satsang, is that people don't have the time or strength to reflect on philosophy. And because they don't have the time or strength to reflect on philosophy, they don't practice this. So then their mindset and their request is, give us that which we can practice. So that 100% message has to keep on, it keeps getting diluted more and more and more and more until one can tune into that practice. We do the same with Vyasa and toothpaste. We can't put a full head of, on a toothbrush of toothpaste for him. His mouth is too small. He can't absorb all of that. So we keep diluting it. We put smaller amounts. We mix it with water more. Try to give more time, try to give more enthusiasm to reflecting on this philosophy. And one will come to understand and appreciate there is no subject that's more practical than this. This idea of diluting philosophy is like, um, I don't know if it's called prisoner's theory or, or gas station games where I reduce my expense, or I re reduce my cost of gas, so you do too. So I reduce it some more, so you do too, and soon enough, both of us are losing money. Yes? Because we've just lost this dilution game. The more that we want a diluted subject, the more a diluted subject will be provided to us. Yes? Dilution will not lead us to independent joy, it will only lead us to a different type of dependent joy.
why meditate should be most obvious to us. And if it's not obvious, what we had studied was meditation allows us to live harmoniously. It allows us to practice ahimsa with ourselves. Where there is harmony, where there is ahimsa, naturally, there'll be more productivity, more prosperity, obviously more peace. One stops acting for fulfillment. One starts acting out of fulfillment. And two words I want you to remember to gauge whether you're acting for or out of fulfillment. Swasti sarva jive bhyaha. Swasti sarva jive bhyaha. Are you living for the swasti of all jivas? Are you living for the welfare to serve all of creation, all humans, all animals, all plants, all stones? Or swasti for this jiva, for these jivas? That means we're still acting for fulfillment. And one will never be fulfilled. More harmony is needed within oneself. I'm not sure if it's in the commentary of Meditation and Life or another commentary of Swami Chinmayananda as I read, that Sant Nyaneshwar, when he would open his eyes, he would open his eyes so slowly so as not to harm anyone, even with the opening of his eyes. Now, suppose I'm in contemplation and then I go, right, it's frightening. <laughs> I'm mad at you right now. But imagine how in tune Sant Nyaneshwar would be with himself, that he doesn't need to love himself anymore. He's only loving all beings to the extent of being careful about how he opens his eyes. We complete this chapter. Gurudev tells us, and our rishis tell us the same, that every one of us is a genius. No one else tells us that other than Gurudev and our rishis. But only a genius can tell another person that you're a genius, correct? If I'm not a genius, then I can't tell you you're a genius. How would I know what a genius is? So our rishis are sharing that we are a genius. And obviously, they're not talking about our IQ. <laughs> then they can't make such a blanket statement that <laughs> we're all geniuses. This genius is so much more important. It's, it's our emotional quotient, our spiritual quotient. We have the potential to be without limits right here, right now. Why we're unable to realize our potential, our nature, is our divided mind. And a more common, a more common description of a divided mind is a distracted mind. Our divided mind says we should wake up in the morning, but also enjoy. 
What's the purpose of living if you can't sleep in? Our divided mind says that we shouldn't be stubborn about being right or wrong, but I should be right. Yes. And so I just burn out. Obviously, disappointment will be all that I experience with such a divided mind. With our present circumstance, with Sheila ready to give birth any hour, with Vyasa being more active, moving homes, uh, so many centers coming up, you start to play mind games where you're calculating who's doing what and who's not doing what. As soon as you start calculating another person's efforts, are those efforts ever enough? And when efforts aren't enough at home or with any team, what do you start to feel? Resentment, isn't it? Couples, kids with parents, parents with kids. Again, different people in your uh, secular work, with your sacred work. That calculation is that divided mind because we know that we should act selflessly. We should give without thinking about reciprocity, but we do it anyways. And we just get tired. No energy, no enthusiasm. I was observing this carefully with myself. And I'm so grateful for this jnana that I can point out the disease. And then following Sri Ramana that it's just a thought. Why be so serious about it? Imagine living without any expectations without any calculations, one would be so free. Every one of us wants and needs Sat Chit Ananda. I'm using the word want because we may feel that it's not built into our nature, but it is built into our nature. We need Sat Chit Ananda. That's what our nature is, and nature is always going to nature. And the more jnana comes into our lives, the more aware we will be of this, the more this can become real. If I tell a random person that your nature is trying to go back to nature, but they don't have any more details towards that, that's just a statement. But when someone has details of why my nature is going towards nature, this becomes real, this becomes solid. When we think about the word sat, existence, this sense of existence, and I'm using the word sense because right now, I know of existence, but I don't know existence. This sense of existence is our substratum and everything else about us is on top of this substratum. If there is no sense of existence, there is no sense of anything. This is the detail that is needed. When I wake up, as an example, it's my sense of existence that is felt first. Then any other feeling comes on top of that. 
And all of the other feelings are changing, but that sense of existence doesn't change. Week by week, course by course, your sense of existence does not change whether you have more knowledge or less knowledge. And being aware of this, giving the time and the enthusiasm to reflect on this, this becomes my only pursuit in life. Thinking about awareness. Awareness is, and all other limits are on top of this awareness. Limits like I'm aware of time, I'm aware of space, I'm aware of matter. Those limits I'm aware of, those limits came after awareness. The detail that I am awareness, I'm aware of limits, makes this more real for me. The thought of awareness is known as vritti jnana. So there's awareness, that's me. But my whole life, I feel like I'm thoughts. When I have a stressed thought, I'm stressed. When I have a frustrated thought, I'm frustrated. So all that I know is through thoughts. So when this teaching comes in, you are chit, you are awareness, automatically my default setting is to have the thought of awareness. That's known as vritti jnana, which means it is objective knowledge, which we call information. Objective knowledge. So all of a sudden, awareness, which is subjective, I have forced this to become objective. That which is knowledge has become information. When I know that this is happening, I stop doing it. The thought of awareness is not awareness. I have to let go of the thought of awareness for me to feel awareness. Now, how do you let go of the thought of awareness? Make the mind quiet. The less thoughts we have, the more existence awareness becomes subjective rather than objective. Satsang is a necessary support, a necessary path for us to engage in Sangha of Sat. Sangha of Chit. You have to keep moving closer to existence aware and awareness for us to be existence and awareness. What happens when we engage in satsanga? Nidra Devi comes. In Srimad Bhagavatam, Nidra Devi is asking Lord Brahma, you know, Raja Parikshita gave Kali five places to live. And Kali is thriving in these places where there's slaughtering going on and gambling going on. So Nidra Devi says, where can I live? That's what kids do, right? You gave this to this person, give me something. 
So Kali is, is like a Rakshasa. Lord Brahma can't send a Devi to where Rakshasas are living. So he says, you can live in satsang. This is all narrated in Bhagavatam. I'm not even making this up as, as a joke or providing humor. During satsang, two tragedies that happen is rajas or distraction and tamas, which is lethargy. So if you feel distracted, if you feel tamasic, I don't want to say that you're not ready for satsang. The fact that you're in satsang means you are ready for satsang, but you're not ready for sat. You're ready for the sangha. Of course, that's why you're there. But you're not ready for the sat. And that's how this first section of meditation and life ends. Why meditate? The question itself presupposes that there's another reason you're here. There's another pursuit of being a human. Don't we chant, Tum sabake pranapati? We chant that with arti. So, all pranas, all of creation, you are the pati, you are the highest. There's two implications with that. Implication number one, we're all working for the same boss. And if we're all working for the same boss, that means we should be working with each other and not against each other. And the more profound implication of arti, this particular verse and, and message, is who your boss and leader is, is simple. Bhagavan. Dedicate your prana to pranapati. So easy. When I I wake up, when I sleep, with my family, without my family, making money, giving money, all of this. I have a boss who I report to. Living becomes very simple. Living becomes very sattvic. That I don't feel lethargic. I don't feel distracted. Instead, and the words that Gurudev uses, I cultivate virtues so that I can concentrate on knowledge, so I can contemplate on who I am, my nature. Cultivate, concentrate, contemplate. We all want to contemplate. That's sattvic, yes? But can we concentrate? That I have to get rid of that rajas. We all want to concentrate, but first I have to cultivate patience. I have to cultivate forgiveness. I have to cultivate letting go. To get rid of the stamas. The need for meditation. If I can share one word that encapsulates our 28 classes together, all 12 chapters that we've studied, including many Upanishads, is Eva. E-V-A. What does Eva mean? Only. 
alone. One. If you enjoyed what you heard or want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at facebook.com slash cmniagara. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmaya Mission Niagara provides a community forum for seekers to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.